Hello and welcome to another of Political Yeti's Politics Podcasts. I'm James Miller and this week I am joined by senior political analyst at de Havilland and real live political analyst. Uh, he hasn't been on for a while but he's back. It's Mike Indian. Hello. Hello. Uh, and for the first time by uh, Deirdre Brock, SNP MP for Edinburgh North and Leith. Hello. And let's get it out of the way. Former soap star. <laughs> Got to do it. Okay. Right. Uh, Two days on. work. It is what you were famous. You mean, obviously you're famous for lots of things. Come on, you are I would famous hope for I'm it. Let's put it like that. Famous for two days work on a soap. <laughs> um, yes, I was uh, on home and away for two days. I keep stressing this, but I mentioned it by mistake when I was standing for council to friends years ago who promptly told journalists and I've never had the end of it since. It was like no one ever talks about my Shakespeare, my Chekhov's. It hasn't done you any harm in a way, right? Because no, no, you know, people when the 56 arrived, me. we all went, oh, the 56, there's loads of them. How do we determine which ones are which? <laughs> oh, she's the soap one. So yeah. it gets you a bit of... Well, I'm the uh, Australian as well. So oh, that's, that's true, yes. Because, yep. of course, it was home and away the Australian soap that you were that's in. That's right. And this yeah. was when... Oh, heck. Do you know I can't which, even remember. I remember was I was about 28. Oh, Did it dark-haired Elsa or blonde Elsa? I remember. That's, that's how Rebecca, I, I think Rebecca Elmanologaloo was, was around that time. Yeah. Oh, my God. So it was a long time ago. Yeah, that is. I was like 28, and I thought then, God, I feel so old, because everyone in it seemed to be about 16. Yeah, that's so, why I was watching yeah. it. Uh, oh, <laughs> surely uh, not, James. Oh, yeah, <laughs> man. All the boys just love Rebecca. She was the one that got... She did she get pregnant or something? Oh, I meets Rebecca. Rebecca and Noah. I just remember I played Noah. Noah. I don't know. Well, I, I watched it later, knowledge. perhaps. I don't yeah, know. I was going to say, you were younger than I probably wasn't paid. even an Elsa by your time. Had Elsa left by the time? Is she or came, killed? I, I don't know. Back in like flashbacks lads, with Alf. Back to politics. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Anyway, okay, yes, I got paid. On. It was work. Uh, <laughs> I did lots of other things as well, but a lot of them didn't make Stuck it over here. Evidence. And I had no idea how big Home and Away was until I came over here. I think Australia, it's a bit more of a, you know, it's a soap. Well, it's rubbish, that's fine. Let's <laughs> be honest. Oh, heavens no. Very important um, export from Australia. <laughs> well, that's true. Okay, we have done Home and Away. Let's do this. PMQs today, um, the second last PMQs of this parliament, it turns out all of a sudden. Um, the SNP were very noisy today, Deirdre. Is there a reason for this? Well, I, I don't know if you noticed, but the Tories were rather noisy as well, and so were the Labour Party. It's got something to do with the no, election Labour coming Party up, wasn't I think. <laughs> well, they <laughs> weren't the when end. their leader was speaking, yes. unfortunately, but uh, no, they were um, responding to Mrs May fairly loudly as well. I mean... Yeah, Mrs May, I don't think, was on great form today, although she was doing her best. Um, she's obviously trying to up things and, you know, turn it up a bit with the election coming up and um, people were responding to it. It does get, it does, the hurly-burly in there is a bit much, as you know yourself from observing it, James. I mean, it just... But sometimes your frustration at hearing some of the nonsense that comes from the opposite benches is such that uh, it occasionally erupts into... That's what struck me, I have to say, about the SNP being G'd up. I don't know if it's because you had Nicola Sturgeon come to see you this morning. I thought that maybe got uh, everybody excited. Uh, Well, it's always um, good to see our leader. But then... uh, (laughs) She's in very uh, good form. uh, It was when Theresa May said something about now is the time 
course, her, her catchphrase at the moment is now is not the time, yes, or now, yes, it's, now yes, is the time, who knows? Yes, yeah. um, and there was lots of pointing at your watch and laughing. <laughs> and I was struck by this was the SNB who said they were going to come in 2015 and not get dragged down into the silliness. Mm. And um, yeah, I mean, were very much taking part in it. Yeah, but then again, if you've got folk opposite you, just shouting out all sorts of things constantly as well yeah. and you would need the patience of a saint not to respond and I'm not suggesting any of us are saints but we do our best <laughs> um, <laughs> well she's not in the Westminster Parliament so um, and it can be just I mean they you know there's a lot of deliberate baiting goes on and uh, so yeah I mean yeah. Um, I'm sure we would rather not we yes. would far rather be able to just sit and not respond to that part. Everyone was very excited because of the It was a very excitable. I mean, there were loads of Tories in Scottish Questions, for example, which isn't usually the case. Yes. Um, I think they're there to perhaps try and support Mr. the Secretary of State in yes. his not terribly good performances. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> we had great uh, time. Well. we'll talk about him later, maybe, when we talk about the election. Let's just uh, mm. cover off BMQs. There was mm. lots of soft soap questions, Mike, from the Tory backbenchers. But, although they were rubbish, we did get... <laughs> a very clear idea of what's going to happen in the campaign, right? We've got what the attack lines oh, are going to be. We've got the stick. It's Jeremy Corbyn. What his MPs actually think of him? I mean, it's funny that Deirdre was saying about the noise coming from the Labour benches. They were quiet. You always hear about it. I don't watch PMQs in the gallery every week or from the chamber like you. It's on TV. They always hear how quiet the Labour benches are, and they are. I think the biggest cheer was when Yvette Cooper got up and gave yes. her well-delivered line. Mm. But you know there is a catalogue somewhere of several ring riders inside Tory HQ several hard drives of stuff and Jeremy <laughs> Corbyn lines for every target seat what they really think of him that's going to be deployed ruthlessly over the next six weeks James mm-hmm. and in terms of him and his waffly rubbish questions which weren't actually rubbish questions mm-hmm. they were just really waffly delivered again yeah. but she hit him with uh, you're going to endanger the defence of the realm you are going to bankrupt the country and you are going to limit children's futures I quite get that one exactly because she's taking loads of money out of schools. But, yeah. uh, but these are the three big lines, right? Absolutely. And you get the impression that if he was given a single strong line to go with, I think you mentioned me during the debate and said he should have stuck with that line, like, why don't you debate her yeah. record? That's a good one to go on. It's an old one, but a good one. And then in the meanwhile as well, he just waffles on. It's like he has everything to get through. He tries to cram it all into his six questions. There's no direction. There's no focus. There's plenty of good stuff he could attack on. Going on national debt there when you're pledged to borrow half a billion pounds more. It's sorry. Yeah, um, yeah it's, it's, it's suicide. It's confused. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, five hundred billion pounds more. And he's neither of them are very good though at um, impromptu comments, yes. are they? Yeah. And that mm. kind of makes. I have to say, Cameron was better on his feet. Mm. Um, <clears> and the atmosphere in the chamber was a little bit more electric when he was there. He was still talking guff, of course, but a lot of the time. Um, But, yeah, so it it is very sort of, it's quite a plodding PMQs. And certainly when Jeremy gets up to to speak, yes, there's dead silence from the Labour benches there. But then, you know, the Tories start coming back at them and, you know, you get more of it. Until, as you say, Yvette got to her feet and suddenly the Labour benches burst into life. She came up with a good question. Um, I mean, a couple of things there. One, why didn't she do that during the leadership campaign in 2015? Mm. And I suppose, uh, call it, will... Corbyn's not going to be on the front bench when we come back in July or June after the election, let's face it. There's no way. I will call it here. There you go. That's my first election prediction. Corbyn will go after the election. Um, Will Yvette Cooper replace him? 
Well, they're saying Q Stam is a favourite, as far as I can see on social media. So Clive Lewis is always mentioned as well. I mean, I think he's ruled that out. You, you, sure he's you need there. somebody who's going to make the membership feel good as well, and this is going to be a very—it's going to be a difficult campaign for both the parliamentary party and for the actors. Because don't forget, Labour MPs are going to be automatically reselected. The membership feels they deserve a say on who sits, who seats. Seats are like Walthamstow, for example, Stella Creasy, who's a, mm. I was talking to a couple of friends last night, live over there. Mm. Very popular among her constituents, but not so much among her own party members. Mm. Targeted by interest yeah. members of the party, at least that's what many Blairites accuse them of. It's going to be a fractious election for Labour at the best of times. It's going to be Tom Watson who's going to have to hold it all together, irrespective of whether or not Jeremy Corbyn holds on or not. Because even getting, if, if let's assume that Labour has an off chance of getting into government here, because it's an election, we have to have a facade of democracy here. Getting the cabinet to even agree on a position where it takes some 40 minutes to get out a press release responding to the election announcement yesterday. Two words for that game on. It's tortuous at the moment, and they're not ready to govern. Another three more years they might have been, but it still would have been a long shot. I don't think so. Um, do you care about the Labour Party, Deirdre? Well, you know, I used to be a Labour voter in Australia, of course. I mean, there's not really many options in Australia. There's the Liberals, Conservatives, um, really, and the Labour Party, and then Greens are sort of way behind. And uh, it doesn't give me any joy to see the official opposition not doing its job and not holding... You know, we are... A a lot of folk suggest we're the official opposition, and frankly, in terms of performance and, you know, turning up and making good points... I think it's hard well, to Well, let's talk about so. the election mm-hmm. What is your ideal outcome? Presumably you would want, clearly, you want the SNP to win 58 or 59. I'm told. Mm-hmm. I thought you could get a clean sweep, but I've been firmly told by everyone I speak to, there is not a hope in hell of winning Orkney and Shetland. The rocks <laughs> right. will melt into the sea about before the Lib Dems give up Orkney and Shetland, I'm told. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But say you get 58 out of 59, mm-hmm. um, which I think is possible. I don't say it's going to happen, but I think it's possible. We're well, we going out to get as many seats as we can get, obviously. I but mean, then, that's where we're going to... Do you want Labour to get a barrel of seats in England as well? So um, you've got... So do you want a progressive alliance at Westminster, essentially? Well, I mean, Nicola was talking about that today. Yeah. Um, in 2015, it looked like a realistic prospect. I mean, realistically, that prospect doesn't seem very yeah. likely uh, in this coming election. And... I mean, the latest poll polls are suggesting that the Tories are going to have a what, 100? A majority yeah. of 100? Labour's going to be down to, what was it, less than 200, yeah. 157 or something like that. Um, and also says that we'll be returning, say, 55. Mm. Um, but, uh, well, I mean, polls. What faith do we pass <laughs> place in polls well, these days after the yeah. last uh, 2015 election? Um, but it's, uh, you know, we will. As Nicola said, if there was an opportunity to keep the Tories out of power, given how damaging their policies have been since they've been in, particularly since they've had this small majority, uh, then, you know, yes, we would look Put at Jeremy that. Jeremy Corbyn in number 10. <laughs> well, you said to yourself, Jeremy Corbyn probably won't be there. Maybe it'll be a vet, maybe it'll be Keir, who knows? Um, they're in such a bad place at the moment. Yeah, I can't. I mean, you're a political analyst, Mike. Analyze a hundred seat majority for the Tories, really? That's the upper limit. That's the that's the dream for them. Get a three figure majority, five more years in power. I think the majority will probably be a lot. Let's let's be honest here. There are change regions. There probably isn't going to be much change north of the border in Scotland. That's that time has happened. We've had the SNP tsunami. They're still looking strong two years. I'd be interested to see what happens with those seats that um, Natalie McGarry and Michelle Thompson hold. Then what your party's executive decides to do with that, Deirdre. Mm -hmm. But in England, let's be honest. The seats that we really have.
have to watch here for Labour. It's those seats in the Midlands that they held on to last time, places like Coventry, Northwest England as well, where Labour's vote's been eroded. I think the Northeast will probably hold out a little longer. And for the Tories as well, they've got to watch the backs against the Lib Dems in in areas where they have strong Remain votes, and also in the southwest of England too. The Lib Dems are going to run, a, I think, a very targeted, very focused campaign. I don't think they'll make gains in Scotland, but I think they have a good chance of capturing back some of those old heartland seats, perhaps in the southwest of England, that got gave the Tories the majority two years ago. Yeah. Um, let's just quickly talk do. about the southwest. It's completely mad. Everyone in the southeast is mad, aren't they? Southwest. <laughs> yes. Southeast, well, we're also mad. So, well, <laughs> southwest, southeast is yeah, different. All right, southwest, yes. Um, how, the, how can the Lib Dems win back in the Southwest? Because don't when forget the Southwest is Brexit. This, even though they don't really well, this want, is, this they is the still story. want EU money. This, this, is, is, the, this is the big story that hasn't really broken and won't really break now, thanks to the um, the election. I mean, which is Channel 4's election expenses investigation. CPS. I think yesterday I read somewhere the CPS is potentially pursuing up to thirty prosecutions. Now we mm. don't know how many of those could be against MPs that are currently sitting mm. with them. Just we, individuals. The Prime Minister stood up today in the House of Commons in the penultimate PMQs of this Parliament and said, "I back every city." Tory MP. This is not someone who should be worried about this, but people on the ground, activists in those seats, Lib Dems, and particularly, will remember these allegations and will try and use it as much as possible in that campaign literature to try and reach those voters. It's a very influential factor, and I think it'll probably drag the Tories down a little bit. That it may lead the Lib Dems to be buoyed up a bit more as local politics might outweigh concerns on Brexit. Okay, mm. uh, that makes sense. Mm. Good, good analysis, that. Well done. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, it has sort of been overshadowed by the ele- a- election announcement, which, you know, is timing. Fancy. But as Dennis Skinner shouted at PMQ, <laughs> that's why you're having the election, isn't it? Because there are many reasons why she's having the election. If people are under suspicion get elected cleanly this time, then she can stand by them, can't she? I mean, they're not, I don't know, they're not going to go to jail for any of this if they have been proved to do anything wrong, are they? It's not that big a deal. I don't, don't think that's clear. how much they, yeah. you know, we're talking fine, Ted. It, mm. There is a lot of this that hasn't yet been uncovered and mm. it, it will, I think she, I think her reasoning is that if she shores up her majority, even if she gets, say, 40 more seats in England, which is a pretty reasonable expectation, I think, given how weak some Labour majorities are, we were yeah. doing our list of target seats at De Havilland today. Yeah. What that means that if there are one or two, as we saw with the SNP a few years ago, if one or two MPs have to resign the party whip or stand down, it gives you a cushion because there's a large majority there. Yeah, it's not going to okay. cost you anything as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know. I make no aspersions about your colleagues' guilt. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm just thinking, you know, it's a little bit neat to say when a month ago the Tory chairman was saying there will no, the yeah. next election will be 2020. Now, was he, he must have known something about what was going to go on. Was he deliberately... You know what was he? What was he doing there? I mean, that seems. Wow. And then suddenly, all of a sudden, on the same day that Crown Prosecution yeah. Service announces these things, <laughs> the same thing happens. It just seems oh, okay. there is a lot. I'm yeah. not saying oh, it's. Yeah. And you know, obviously, this, as I think was being floated today, gives her some time after 2020 to sort of let Brexit bed in, let the sort of worst, the fact that you know the ECJ will probably still be ruling on certain yes. things, and that will still be able to. You know that that will give her some leeway um, before she has to have her next election. So, uh, I, I yeah, accept that. But it does seem timing-wise, it just seems a bit mm. odd. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that, with hindsight, it makes a lot of sense to call an election now in a way. There's a lot of reasons to do it. Mm. But yesterday, I mean, how shocked were you? You know, it's funny people are asking that. I I actually wasn't. Uh, I wasn't shocked. I was like. Um, 
I suppose a little bit surprised at the timing, but it, I was, you know, we've been talking about it for such a long time. You're sort of yeah. mentally preparing yourself, thinking, well, it might, it might happen. Um, and you know, frankly, given Tory's track record in the past, when they say something, I tend to think, oh, well, it's definitely happening there. You know, I mean, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I was. Um, and how worried are you about your seat? Um, I will be fighting hard for every vote in my seat and I, I've got some great, really good activists who are already like piling in going, right, come on, we're hitting the doors and, um, you know, we've already been working as a result of the council elections coming up anyway. Yes, of course. And folk are really determined not to let the Tories, because they are obviously the, the big threat to our country. I mean, you know, who do we really want to uh, live in a Scotland that is under the thumb of a really hardline right-wing UK government for all time. I just don't think that will play terribly well in large parts of my constituency. So, you know, it's obviously up to the people to decide, but, um, yeah, we'll be going in with a very strong message around Um, that. It's not for all time. Here's my other big, big prediction. The next Labour Prime Minister will get elected in June. There you go. All right. Yeah. Why do you say that? Anybody who... There will be somebody... Who is going to run towards this chaotic sideshow, for whatever better word I'm putting it, um, with a vision and all the rest of it, yeah. and, the, and that all. You've got to pull all those I don't know factions who it's going to be together. I mean, you've got to have such a oh, no, I mean, a I'm healing about <laughs> next prime minister. You know, ten, ten years, years time I or know. something. Not, well, not immediately, but sadly, uh, the by 2022, the Tories will have been in power for twelve. Yes, that's a long time by any stretch of the imagination. What I'm fascinated by, however, is the flip side of this. And you can take away things like the election expenditure and take away sort of party political advantage in this. But actually, if you're proposing from a purely objective standpoint here how to deal with the Brexit issue, if, if a government came to you and said, give us two more years to deal with this and actually to get it, because this is an immensely complicated task. We're talking about like 15 bills in the next two years need doing, yeah. a thousand plus statutory instruments. Yeah. We're talking about complex transitional periods potentially running out to 2022. From a Brexit standpoint, this makes a great deal of sense. It also yeah. even would probably, would probably work to the SNP's advantage as well, because it's going to make Theresa May more amenable to this concept of a second independence referendum. She's not going to feel it's breathing down her neck as much with the 2020 general election, which she would have done before. Now, obviously, there's the horrific aspect if Labour loses badly, the Tories are in power for another five years, and that renders the opposition mute, but it gives time to build up and work through the process. So the Prime Minister's headline argument has a lot of merit, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, you know, I think, like I say, when you look at it, objectively, it makes a lot of sense to do it now. But there is a lot of other stuff going on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, You yeah, mentioned yeah. Indie F2. I can't work this out with Indy Ref 2. Right. So, the SNP win big mm-hmm. at the general election. Does that mean Indy Ref 2 is then irresistible? I mean, this is the thing. You know, as Nicola said, you've really got your mandate from yep. uh, from the, the Scottish election last year. Yep. The fact is, the Theresa parliament. May says, well, I've got a mandate because there was an independent referendum in 2014, mm-hmm. which is true. Mm-hmm. What happens after the general election? Has Theresa May then got a, a bigger mandate for refusing the NDRF? Or has Nicola Sturgeon got a bigger mandate for calling for it? Why would she have a bigger mandate for refusing the NDRF? Because, because she has one or two stand in this general election on a manifesto or say, I'm not having an NDRF. Yeah, yet. but yet, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I don't know, the manifesto, I suspect, might say, we're not having an NDRF. You think so, the Tories? 
could do, yeah. Well, let's that's see how that plays in Scotland. That's what she said so far. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I think she said she's going to be in there, but yeah. she'd be she'd be silly to rule it out completely in the manifesto. I think if she wants, to, they have a strong performance in Scotland right now. They want to pick up seats up there. Putting that in the manifesto would. But picking up seats in Scotland is all about being the, the defenders of the union. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's just going to be interesting to see how many of the Labour members who are still unionists, uh, voters rather, head towards. Yes. That um, the Conservative vote. I mean, that will be the thing. Um, yeah. In my constituency, I don't have a, a, a very high overall um, Conservative vote. Uh, but you yeah. know, if some of the Labour, you know, that that changes the dynamic yes. certainly. And um, I, it's just really we're going to have to see where they go. But so I happened? think it does strengthen our mandate, and we will. Um, return to the issue, you can be assured of that. <laughs> We're about, not going to let go. <laughs> what about the alternative scenario where you lose big in this general election? I mean, I confess I'm not convinced you are, but there are people saying you could lose 20 seats. I, I can't quite work out how, but let's say you do. Then does Theresa May's mandate outrank Nicola Sturgeon's because well, I mean, you lose all these seats? Do we still get the majority of votes there or not? I mean, I think that's the thing that has to be remembered. It's not like, say, say, and I'm certainly hoping we don't, but say we lose one seat. Does that then yeah. say to the Tories, well, we've increased our share by 100%, so therefore that proves well, that you can't, you know, I mean, that is the sort of thing that potentially uh, um, could be said, but I just think that is, what kind of a narrative is that? I mean, in normal elections, you win the most number of seats, the most number of votes, ah, no, you've won on. the argument. You're, you're conflating ah, two different on. things there, right? Ah, well. Because in the elections we've got coming up in a couple of weeks, the local elections, it is about number of votes, of course, and then we're going to switch to well, first it? past the post, about number of seats. Seats, so yes. So if we get the majority of seats, then I would argue that we still... Uh, this still continues to strengthen the mandate that has already been established in our manifesto that we fought the Scottish parliamentary elections on and indeed endorsed by the Scottish Parliament now. And, but then if the and does she really turn around to us, to the people of Scotland and to their democratically elected representatives and say no? Uh, well, she has so far, yeah. yeah. So she might. Not yet. Well, we'll see. Um, mm. I will just pick up. I don't want to sound uh, terrible, but you're saying people in Scotland because you are, of course. Are you a person <laughs> of Scotland or are you an Australian? I am a person who lives in Scotland. Yes, I am Australian. Yeah. So my dad's English, actually. So I have dual Brexit. Mm-hmm. Are you going to get deported? <laughs> I mean, the Tories are going to round up everybody. No, because my father is English. Well, who knows? <laughs> With this government, it might change. <laughs> Well, this is yeah. We had Paris uh, from the Scotsman was on a couple of weeks ago. Oh, he yeah. said, of course, he's God knows what he is. He's Greek Canadian. He's yeah. like, <laughs> but he said he's expecting to get a letter through the post saying you need to make plans for possibly leaving the country somewhere down the road. I know. Um, Listen, can I tell you, you this is? Your, uh, I just I don't. Well, I'm, I've got dual citizenship, so right, I'm a British okay, so citizen and Australian citizen right. as well. So because my father's English, yeah, but okay. um, I can tell you it's it's no bloody laughing matter for many people in my constituency. I have a really high multicultural yeah. um, uh, constituency and, you know, we have people in tears in my mm. surgery. We have folk with, and, and folk are being turned down with the most ridiculous reasons. Um, people whose families are overseas waiting to come here, fathers working, they've They've, they've got the income level that's required and yet they're still not being allowed to bring their young children and their partner over. I mean, it's 
horrendous. And that is one of the reasons that really drive one of the things that really drives me as a politician here is seeing this and seeing this sort of vicious, really nasty attitude towards people that we want to be in Scotland. We want we want them to stay here. So um, oh, don't get me started on that, honestly. <laughs> I could it, well, it just makes you so angry, and that's what I mean by saying, you know, being down here actually makes me more convinced that independence is the right thing for Scotland. I mean, the thing I mean, as I said, parents, so I sort of joke about getting sent back to your own country. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you start saying, "Well, I'm going to get a letter and it's going to be real," then it suddenly becomes, "Well, hang on, this is right. this is real. These are people who yeah. have lived here quite happily, and, and you don't think of them as anything other than British." And then suddenly, you go, actually, post Brexit, you might have to start thinking about. Either filling in some massive eighty-page form at the very least, oh, or at the very know. worst, um, getting kicked out. I know. Um, I know. I thought, I thought so that's another thing that helps. That's all right. Drive I, us. For, for me, just briefly, this is what frustrates me about this top Trumps game with mandates we've been playing since two thousand and fourteen. Really, we have a referendum on Scottish independence, then we have a general election, then we have an EU referendum, now we have another general election, then we have a Scottish Parliament election as well. There is a real sense of many people, I think many voters, that they do not trust, the elected representatives do not believe they can get on with the decisions, things like immigration, which is an incredibly thorny subject. But if our leaders are unwilling to grasp it, as they have been unwilling to do so with, I think, with the three million EU migrants to live in this country, EU mm. citizens to live in this country, mm-hmm. then the Prime Minister's message of getting on with the job is somewhat blunted to mm. me if we're having yet another poll. At some point, you actually have to stop talking about this and stop talking about governing priorities. Yeah. And hopefully, if one good thing is that this whole election process is that the leaders, Nicola Sturgeon, Theresa May, or whoever else might be involved, will sit around the table and finally get on with the big issues that this country is really needs to have decided. Ooh, good, well, good political analysis. analysis I know, there. although, frankly, the um, behaviour of the UK government, the JMC, doesn't exactly fill me with a great deal of hope because, I mean, there seemed to be frustration from all corners, apart from the UK government, um, about treatment doled out to the devolved... This is the uh, Joint Ministerial Council. Yes, yes, sorry. Yes. Uh, that's all right. Um, right, let's uh, quickly do some predictions. Uh, first of all, when is NDRF 2 going to happen? <laughs> well, we've said, we've said that we think the appropriate time would be... August, well, no, no, no. Okay, so sometime between August 2018 and March 2019 is, we think, an ideal time because then the outcome of the negotiations around Europe will be known They'll be coming back to the Parliament. Mrs. May said that again today. Uh, and then uh, it'll be up to the EU nations to ratify. So we've got a six-month period there where the people of Scotland will be able to see for themselves what they are being asked to All right. sign up to. Six EU. months is quite a big window, but I think I'll let you away with that. I'd rather have an exact date. But, um, Mike, <laughs> no, I've got, got, some, got some political analysis on the too. When's that going to be? May 2020. May 2020. Now the election has moved, Elections. that is the next logical period, that's a year before the Scottish Parliament elections, mm. that is a year after the Brexit deadline has yeah. taken place, that gives the government time to put in place the transitional deal, and I think if now if the Prime Minister gets a comfortable majority, she might, although the decision wouldn't be happy with it, I think there's a reasonable window of delay there, they, you know, it doesn't take us into the next decade quite, but it gives us a bit more wiggle room there. Okay. How long do you think that transitional de- deal... I mean, I've only read things about this. Go up to ten this. years? Yeah. I think, I've yeah. read somewhere it could be up to two years after Brexit for some elements, but there'll be things like, you talk about the, tra- the trade deals, the thorny one, that could, that's the longest potential window, that could be, should be a decade to agree yeah. to. Yeah. yeah. Nobody really understands it, do they? And then, don't forget to talk about parallel talks with other countries as well, yeah. America, you know, <laughs> other big trading partners. So, but yeah, that's, it's realistically, I think, spring mm. 2020 for India Rev 2. Okay, mm. and you said if... Theresa May gets a comfortable majority. Call it. What's it going to be? What's the result going to be? 
I think we'll see in England gains for the Conservatives in the regions I've mentioned. Just give me a result. I think a majority between 50 to 60 for the Tories would be would, would be majority. a good performance because okay. be some there are some Labour seats that no matter how poorly people believe Jeremy Corbyn's performing, where the MPs have earned the trust of their constituents, lower turnout, solid majorities. True. But Angie, we said this in Scotland two years ago, and we got a sweep of 56 yeah. SNP MPs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Deirdre, your prediction? Um, well, obviously I'd be hoping that we get all of us um, seats returned, and then, uh, as I understand it, the uh, Edinburgh South seat of Ian Murray yeah. is looking a bit of a... Sugar okay. peg, so we shall see because I think the Tories will be going in there fighting that hard. So, yeah, yeah, okay. So, and David Mundell? Oh, get his seat? We would certainly, we will be trying very hard, obviously, in David's constituency and, uh, and similarly up in Orkney and Shetland. But, uh, and Angus Robertson? <laughs> he's got he's got, he's got a big Brexit seat. He's is he looking a bit shuddy? Not as far as I'm aware. No, I think Angus has done a fantastic job as the leader of our party. I mean, he's again people are talking of him as the leader of the opposition rather than Mr. Corbyn. So it's a bit Brexity, though, isn't it? it very but it's not just about that, is it? It's about well, how you knows? represent your True. constituency, and I think most people in Angus's constituency will acknowledge he's doing a great job. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Right, let's do finish off quickly with uh, I love your questions with a jingle that sounds like this. Yes, this question set weeks ago now, before Easter, by Kirsty Blackman, Queen of Podcasting. That episode got loads of listens. Was uh, something weird about what would you order from a chipper? Is what I think she called it. A chipper. Apparently, that's what they call it in Aberdeen. I would call it a chippy. Um, if I was being really bad, I'd order one of those fried meat pie things, whatever they're called. Oh I know, God, terrible. Yes. And um, and chips, of course, smothered in brown sauce. Um, because it is brown no. sauce that is the, 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 the queen of sauces. Forget vinegar. I mean, vinegar's fine, but it's no, very sort of on, thin, nasty tasting. You've got to go for the brown sauce. Smother it like some oil, as I think Greg Proops talked about it once. No, hang on. When you say brown sauce, do you mean sauce? Shosh, yeah. Yes, <laughs> the Edinburgh sauce. Edinburgh shosh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> Which is not right. exactly brown sauce, is it? Okay, yeah, okay. What is it? It's a mix of vinegar and water and brown sauce. It's delicious. I'm in Coventry, don't ask me. Please, you should try it in Coventry. I'm going to the fringe in August, so I'd love to. Oh, really? Oh, right, okay, you can try it. This is the great divide in Scotland. It is. Salt and vinegar and salt and sauce. It's not salt and independence, is this? The West Coast has salt and vinegar. Highlands as well, actually. Edinburgh has salt and sauce, which is vinegar, vinegar down brown sauce. And then, obviously, there's Aberdeen, where they have just Paris and weird things. Yeah, it's, um, it's delicious. Highly recommended. Uh, okay. Um, next week it's uh, the return of Roger Mullen for the last podcast of this Parliament. It looks mm-hmm. like. Um, have you got a question that you would set for Roger? Yeah, I would like to hear from Roger his favourite traditional Scottish song. So I'm a bit of a trad trad music fan. Okay. And Roger is a very fine singer. Is he? Mm. Oh. And a legend at Burn Suppers, by the way. So Absolutely. we could try and round out this parliament with a song from Roger. Oh, yeah. You know, I think he'd probably oblige. He's very, uh, very good. Okay, we'll see what he comes up with. Uh, What's your favourite traditional song? 
Oh gosh, so many. Um, let's see. Are we talking Australian traditional Scottish? No, no, it's Scottish traditional actually. Do no, I mean there's a lot of Gaelic ones. I sing in a Gaelic community choir actually. Oh, okay. We only meet once a month, so I can just fit it in. Oh, okay. Well, in Chelan Mulock is what we're doing at the moment. It's very beautiful. No. Actually, I was in Switzerland recently. Yeah. And um, this was a group of cross-party MPs, and I encouraged, we had to do a toast, and so one of our Swiss hosts did a toast to the Queen, and I encouraged them all to do a, a nice Highland Slangevar, or Slangevar toast as well. So that was quite satisfying, getting lots of folk, <laughs> including English MPs, to give good old Alex, <laughs> the culture. Nice yes, one. indeed. Um, okay, listen, we will uh, wind it up there because you've got to go and vote on the early election. Uh, we're talking about the election. It hasn't actually been voted on yet, but by the time no. this is up online, hopefully. Well, actually, I've got the Scottish Affairs Committee so, oh, as yes, well, that's so well. that uh, needs to be going oh, on too. Oh, all the committee chair elections after the, ele- after the general election. Oh, we'll get through polling days. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. A few things, well, a few steps before. Queen's yeah. okay. polling day. Uh, I will say thank you to Mike Indian and thank you to Deirdre Brock. And uh, best of luck, both of you, in the forthcoming election, with whatever it may bring. You're on a move. If you want to get in touch, I am politicalyeti at gmail.com. I am at politicalyeti on Twitter. And uh, yeah, tune in next week for another of Political Yeti's Politics podcast. Thank you.